Here we are. Here we are today. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses with lots of ghost stories. I almost said with the mostesses, and I really stopped myself because I didn't like it. Uh, that's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And it's Easter today, actually, when it, this episode comes out. Jesus loves me. I don't know how the actual song goes. I forget. But have I, you seen that video? Everyone has at this point because it came out a year or two ago of what? that little girl who's sitting in down in class and she's singing Jesus loves me with the whole group of like other four-year-olds. But she's <laughs> it's like she's at a rock concert. She's like jamming out so hard. Oh, my gosh. I've have not you not seen, seen it? No, I'm so bad with like meme and video culture. Oh, see, that's what I'm good at only because Instagram is the only medium that I Mm. use in terms of social media. I'm not a Twitter. I'm not a Facebook. I'm not, I guess, what's beyond that? I don't know. I'm not a Snapchatter. I just do Instagram. What's that like? What's the um, Vine? Is that still a thing? (gasps) I was a huge Viner. I feel, okay, so it's not like, I feel like it's not a thing anymore, but when you Google my name, my old Vine comes up. Can you actually see the videos? And there are like funny videos that I did with my brother about eating apple pie that's still there. And I've tried to log in and I can't log in. And so I can't delete it. I'm surprised that they're even still up. You should check because actually they might be taken down because Vine was basically deleted. They like wiped out all of the data. They got rid of Vine. And then the people who had created Vine created HQ trivia. Oh, I'm going to search my name right now. But I loved Vine so much, and I had spent so much time curating the perfect feed of the best Vines ever that I would revine, and I'm so pissed that that's gone. I'm so glad it's gone. I've confirmed officially my Vine videos are gone, so none of you can see them. Someone's looking out for you. I do follow still a few of the Viners, and I got my mom hooked on one of the Viners on her Instagram. <laughs> Hold on, let me look up her last name because I can't, I can never remember, but it's Ariel Van... Vandenberg, Ariel Vandenberg. Oh my God. She's the funniest person ever. I just, but yeah, uh, me and my mom sit together and we LOL at all of Ariel's Instagram videos. Uh, have I, have we talked about this before? Uh, wait, have we? Yeah, we, wait, I can't remember. Did we talk about 1015 on this podcast? About what? 1015? Uh, I mean, did, did we? we? I kind of remember I telling you did. that there were episodes that made me feel uncomfortable only because it was so accurate. Well, I think we did. But anyway, there's a bunch of acronyms in that show. And there was like, woo-woo, W-U-W-U. And Nick's like, what is that? And I was like, you don't know? It's what up with you? Woo-woo. Woo-woo. Uh, I learned about um, UGIS from that show. I'd never heard that. I had never heard of it either. And it's very sad. It's very sad. No one should ever use that. Never. Term. And if you don't know what it is, good. Don't look it up because good. it shouldn't exist. And that's that. It means us girls incredibly in solidarity. strong. Or us uh, girls in solidarity. Oh, that's much more intelligent. What'd you say? Than, than mine. I can't even. I didn't even hear what you said because our I internet. It doesn't matter. So but what does matter is that I saw the second season of the OA. <gasps> Isn't it amazing? I lost my shit. I because thought second season was better than one. It's oh, oh, so much better. And it's yeah. just amazing. And everyone has to watch it. But you have to watch the first season to understand the second season. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable. And I didn't realize that she co-wrote. She created it. 
yeah i didn't i didn't even know that that was the thing she yeah i was like watching all the these interviews on her and she had thought that she was going to go into like accounting and finance and had a finance job before i'm like this is so insane it's so insane to me that actors could be anything but an actor yeah she's amazing brit marling is that her name i just think of them as these incredibly creative and smart people who just flung themselves into the industry and that's where they started but it just blows my mind every time i hear of someone who was like oh yeah i was like a line chef or yeah i worked on wall street and then suddenly they're just the most insane mind behind this amazing program yeah brit marling is amazing she created the oa you need to watch it it's so good i was like there's so many things in the series that actually go with my own personal beliefs yeah if you like this podcast you need to go watch it because it's very aligned with the things that we talk about and the theories we come up with and if you really liked glitch in the matrix episode yes yes. then you have to watch the oa oh my god if you feel like you have traveled through dimensions you must go watch the oa and let us know if it's accurate to your experiences i felt like i traveled through dimensions the other day because i decided as you do when you decide to hate yourself that i was a runner and so i started running this weekend I went from zero to 100, or I felt like it was zero to 100. It's not going to sound like a lot to you, Sabrina, because you are a runner. But not I ran anymore. three, 2.5 miles on Saturday and then three miles on Sunday. And this morning I woke up to go to the gym and I I couldn't, I could not walk. I literally could not walk. Well, Corinne, I'm very proud of you. That's very impressive. I don't even run three miles anymore. Okay, but that's... That doesn't make sense to say that's very impressive because you ran marathons. So I don't care that you don't run, you don't (laughs) choose to run three miles anymore, but you physically can. (laughs) I don't know if I can. It was the other day I went on a run. Okay, I did run three miles, but I... (laughs) I was like, I, it was hard. It was difficult. And I got home and I was like, damn, when I started this podcast, I was talking about how I was like running six miles and I had to be able to at least run six miles to feel confident in my ability to run away from a, a potential threat. And now, and then the other day I was like, well, I guess I'm screwed and this is never oh. going to work out for me. It's okay. Because is it? if we're together, you'll still outrun me because I was running, <laughs> tourists were walking quicker than me. And still stopping and taking pictures of themselves and then still outrunning me. I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Oh, wow. But I do remember, I have a memory in college, and Sabrina, you're not going to remember this because this was just a normal day for you, but for me, it was eye-opening. And I was at the gym, and I was on the treadmill, and then you pulled up and decided to take the treadmill right next to me, as you do when you have a friend at the gym. (laughs) But I was on speed, like... 5.3 which i thought was a good pace Mm -hmm. 5.3 6.3 maybe 6.3 which i thought i thought that was good i thought i was like you know running well (laughs) and then you come in and you had like 7.9 as your warm-up and i was like fuck sabrina i'm over this and i got off the treadmill way quicker than i normally would have because i was like i'm done i'm going to the stair climber oh i don't remember that but i'm really sorry (laughs) that's okay and then one of my good friends, Allison, she's a runner too. And she did the same thing to me. She pulled up next to me. She did 60 minutes on the treadmill. The treadmill stopped and she restarted it. And I was like, you're a psychopath. That is that is the sign of a psychopath. Yeah. She was like, oh, well, it times out after 60 minutes. And I was like, that means you get your ass off of the treadmill. I was at um, my gym in my apartment only has two treadmills. 
And so I went down there and I was by myself. The gym is empty because it's the dirtiest thing in the world. Like I think you can get hepatitis from being in there. And so I was on one of the treadmills and this guy walks in, gets on the treadmill next to me, looks over at me, looks at my speed. And I'm like, clearly you can tell when someone's like getting competitive with you. Mm -hmm. And so he puts his speed up one point higher than mine or like 0.1 higher. So I put mine 0.2 higher. And then (laughs) he goes again. And then I go again. And he goes again, and I go again, and I got up to like, because I can run, not comfortably, but like I can sprint at like 10.5, and so I start doing that, and he like ends up getting off the treadmill, because I kicked his ass. You won! You won! Yes, Did I you won. yell? No, Did but I was yell, really You just <laughs> Us girls in solidarity! Woohoo! <laughs> That's such a good feeling, you, you beat him, you literally I won did. the unspoken treadmill war yes. of that day yes i did also um, I extremely proud. impressed with your confidence in using the treadmill at a 10.5 speed because i feel like if i go anywhere over seven i'm risking tripping and just smashing my face <sighs> on the treadmill i have once fallen off a treadmill and it is the most painful thing in the world i like tore off the skin off on my knees Oh God! But also, I was being an idiot and remember those old yoga, the, like the big yoga balls, not the old ones, the big yoga balls. Yeah. So I was at my, my friend's and we were having yeah. a sleepover, and we decided to play around because she had a home gym because that's normal, and she had the yoga ball. So I was like on the treadmill. I put the treadmill on, and I was like on the yoga ball, and I flew off because obviously that's what's going to happen. And my knees got so bloody and I was too embarrassed to tell her that that's what happened. So I just went to the bathroom and like found band-aids and just band-aided up my knees. And I could not bend them for a week because they were just so scabbed up. Ouch, ouch, ouch. It's hard for me to even think about that. That sounds like it hurts. I know. It really hurt. When you just brought up home gyms, it reminded me, or I guess it, it made me realize that my parents' home gym is odd. Because we technically have an, a home gym, but really it's not a home gym. It's it's basically a treadmill and then some weights. And it's inside of our pantry in the basement. In a pantry? So you're next to the fridge, the overstock fridge, mm. and all of the overflow food. Hmm. Which is a little bit contradicting. I know. What was the reasoning behind that, Deb and Bill? Please enlighten probably, me. Probably spacing. They don't listen. They'll never hear Yes, this. they do. Your mom listens. Your grandparents yeah. listen, too. Hi, Grandma. <laughs> Gma. Uh, you're going to be in Spain when this episode comes out, too. I will. Thank That's God. why we're doing all our pre-recording yeah. and all the stuff. Relax. I'll be binge drinking sangria. As you should. I'm so excited. Me too. We're talking about my boyfriends. Multiple. All of them. I'll give you guys a clue if you don't know what Sabrina's boyfriends look like. She has one that lives with her and he is human. But Mm -hmm. she has a million others. They visit her from the sky. Some are small. Some are tall and lanky. Some are gray. Some are green. When they click phone home. Home is Sabrina. I wish. (laughs) But obviously, I think you can guess it's aliens. Extraterrestrial beings. Yes. 
space creatures. And this was actually, obviously, Corinne and I love aliens, so any excuse to do them. So thank you to Megan, who is a mama of the BEK on our Patreon. And she was like, I want aliens. She actually wrote, well, I know we've discussed aliens. I like how she said we, all of us, like everyone in the community. We've all discussed discussed them. And she says, but I'd kind of like to discuss it again. I have two stories, one that's really recent and I wanted to share. Quickly, the stories involve seven-year-old me having a nightmare where I was in a forest and then visited by aliens only to find out years later that it was a forest in Romania. And the second, I think it's the one that you did. What? Oh, oh, the how about you forest? Because didn't they have alien in, uh, aliens yes. and abductions? Yeah. Yes. And she says, the second one is I, is one I had a couple of months ago where I swear I saw an alien peeking into my window and I locked eyes with it. It felt so real that I actually got up and ran downstairs and I still to this day have my curtains closed tight because I do not want to see what's outside. I super regret not pulling down all of my shades in my kitchen <laughs> because I have to go in my kitchen after we record. Fuck! Don't look in the windows. Okay. You'll see your reflection staring back at you. No. Or perhaps it's not your reflection. And then my reflection smiles at me and reaches out. Yeah, that's scary. That's one of my fears. One of my millions. We have many fears here. Yeah. <laughs> this is a place for us to talk about our the things that scare us, all of our fears, which is basically everything. I don't trust anyone. Don't trust my car. Don't trust my phone not to blow up. Can't even trust my cat to not eat me because I think she would. But I'm okay with it. Did you win the poll on Facebook? Are you getting another cat? Or did Nick win and his, is he going to host TBD. an episode? Neither of us have gotten 500 yet, but this episode comes out in two weeks from now, right? So maybe we'll know by then. Okay. We'll keep you updated. We'll keep you in the loop. All right. I'm curious. Okay. Uh, maybe my boyfriend will abduct him and then bring him back with a cat. With an alien cat. Oh. Well, people do say cats are aliens. They definitely are. I believe that. Okay. Speaking of aliens, I'm going to get right into it because I'm just excited. July 1947, Roswell, New Mexico. I imagined that being typed on like a TV show screen. Yeah. And that. Enter. Yeah. Roswell, New Mexico. Wait, you were really good at that noise. Thank you. I'll put it on my voice actor resume when I become in competition with you as a voice, a fellow voice actor. We don't need to be in competition with each other. We can lift each other up and support each other. And when I move up, you move up. And when you move up, I move up. That's what someone says who's a better voice actor than the other. And we know (laughs) that you are. So thanks for helping me out. I'll always help you out. So July 1947, Roswell, New Mexico. A thunderstorm ripped through the town. Lightning illuminating the sky. People stayed inside, dogs whined, looking to their owners for comfort, and families watched the storm as it battled in the clouds. Do you remember, sorry, I I know that was really enthralling and now I have to cut out of the story, but do you remember when you were a kid and it would thunder and lighten and you'd be scared, so you'd ask your parents, like, why does it do this? My parents always told me that it was the angels bowling and that the thunder was them rolling the bowling ball and the lightning was whenever they got a strike, they celebrated. Wait, that's so nice. That's so cool. Yeah. But I believed it for a very uh, inappropriate amount of time. Oh, yeah. No, my parents didn't add any magic to thunder. It was basically like, here's what's happening in the sky. And now let's sit and try to time the seconds between the thunder (laughs) and count how many miles away it is. I don't even know if that's a real thing, but that's what we would do. I Well, yeah, I don't know if that's a real thing, but I did that too. Okay. So that's, that's a excerpt from my childhood, and now we'll get back to this. As a few people looked out their windows, an object appeared. 
But most people just thought nothing of it because it's a stormy night. It, that's a weird thing in the sky. They're not all like us. Not everyone's like, oh, what is that? So some people don't think anything of it, but others are like, hmm, that's peculiar. And it's spinning. It's spinning in a weird way. I've never seen an object in the air move this way. Huh. huh. I wonder what it is. Was it a balloon? Or maybe a flying saucer? Hmm. I wonder. So after the storm, a man named William Brazel, who was a farmer who worked on the Foster homestead, was walking the field with his son when they came across what looked like a ton of rubble. It was a mixture of rubber, metal, plastic, paper, sticks, tinfoil, some materials they didn't recognize, and there was a dent in the ground as if something had crashed. And they were confused by it. And so they returned home and they told William's wife and daughter of the mysterious items that looked like they had come crashing down in the field. And again, the family, all four of them ventures out into the field, which is, I want to be a part of this family. I want to live on a farm. Uh, and they decide to gather up some of, the, some of the material and bring it inside because let's examine it ourselves. And they do. And they're just like, I still don't really know what this is. Like, it's weird. And then the next day, Brazel hears these reports of the flying disc in the sky the night of the thunderstorm. And he puts everything together and he goes, oh, the flying saucer crashed in this farm field. And so he calls the local sheriff, Sheriff Wilcox, because he's like, did I and my family unknowingly collect remnants of an alien spacecraft and now it's sitting in our home and an alien's going to come looking for it? Or maybe there's an alien in our house and we don't know because it's tiny and we can't see it. So Wilcox arrives to the Brazel residence and William Brazel sits him down and confesses in a hushed tone, um, I think I may have found a flying disc. And Wilcox, being a small town sheriff, is like, uh, I don't know what to do about that. What are you talking about? And so he calls in reinforcements and calls the Roswell Army Airfield, where a man named Major Jesse Marshall and a man, he's accompanied by a man in plain clothing, maybe a men in black man. Mm -hmm. This is why you never get them involved. You just secretly keep everything forever and then yes. expose it when you're too old. And if they do something to you. I don't know where I'm going with this, but be, don't don't tell them. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, it's kind of like the lottery. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. All you need is the validation for yourself. If like similar to if I'm abducted or if an alien decides to move into my apartment because I do have a guest bedroom that I'd love to host an alien, I won't tell anyone. I'll just keep it to myself and be like, I'm, you know, I, you know, I respect your privacy. I, I'll, I'll make you breakfast in the morning and we can go check out the Hollywood Hills sign if you really want. Uh, I'll ride your spaceship into space and we'll, I don't know, like maybe like go skip down the street and then I'll send you on your way. And I won't tell anyone. So they call in these guys. So this Jesse Marshall and the men in black, which I'm going to say, and I don't know if it's verified or not, come in and they collect all the remnants. They don't really say anything to uh brazel or wilcox and then that next day on july 8th 1947 uh major jesse marshall and this man that collected all the remnants of the spacecraft released a press release and it was said and it was released and issued by the roswell army airfield which is crazy but they stated that they were in possession of a flying disc this Ooh, was published in it. the newspaper so they said it but then the very next day, this is when the cover-up begins because a second press release was published by 
General Roger Ramey on behalf of the FBI, and it stated that the object in question was a weather balloon and that there were no pieces of metal that suggested an engine or propellers and that the thing was the furthest thing from a flying saucer or alien spacecraft. And then they go to the Roswell Army Airfield and basically forcibly remove all remnants of this aircraft or weather balloon, as they called it, and basically cut off all connection to Roswell. And is like, we're going to take over from here. We're going to take all this stuff. I get frustrated every time I hear about this story because the Roswell weather balloon is a big thing in the alien world. So I've heard it many times. But I'm just like, if it was a weather balloon, then why all the extra effort? Why did you even have to go collect it? Hmm? Yes. And I mean, the conspiracy goes even further because there's it's layer after layer of what feels like to me at least like a cover-up because the story changed so many times from the same side of the story you know like the Mm -hmm. fbi and government side kept changing the story even though they didn't need to like similar to liars pathological liars stick to your story pick a one lie one i mean don't lie first of all but if you're going to stick to one lie and don't spin it out like no other don't get caught up in it and keep spinning new lies because you're gonna get caught you're going to grow a long nose like Pinocchio. Pants on fire. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, yeah. So now the Air Force has the disc in Fort Worth, Texas. And unfortunately for the Air Force, but fortunately for us and for Roswell and the world, everyone was clinging on to the story of the flying disc. And they believed it was an alien visitation and they start calling it the roswell incident the presumed recovery of an alien craft that was covered up by the government and so all these suspicions are growing because in the 1950s there were numerous sightings around roswell of what looked like creatures falling from the sky and when people would try to go locate these bodies immediately there would be military vehicles retrieving it before anyone could get an eye on what had fallen So they were like, perhaps these are aliens that are visiting us and the military is making sure that they get to their bodies before anyone else can catch on to what's happening. And there are just so many, like I said, there are so many cover stories, so many theories. The first cover up was what they said was the weather balloon and they had claimed that the storm had caused it to fall out of the sky and they held a press conference with the supposed pieces of the weather balloon, which were rubber, foil, and wood, to prove it was what they said it was. But if you look at the photo, so there's this infamous photo of these two military men kneeling before the the pieces. But mm-hmm. it's like, why are you so desperate to prove that's it? Like, it's so easy to then take a real weather balloon and tear them up and then put it there. Like, the pieces that they showed at the press conference are very clearly from a weather balloon, but it would be so easy if you are part of the military or part of the government to then find an actual weather balloon, tear it apart, and use those and be like, look, this is what we found. It's clearly mm-hmm. a weather balloon. There was no alien. And I think that's what they did. I wish that the people who had first reported the family who had collected all of the Mm -hmm. items. I wish that they didn't turn everything in. Well, apparently they, there was this, there was one article I read where Brazel, William Brazel did hide things in the bushes, but then later the government just like very thoroughly searched the area and just took everything. 
Damn it. And I bet, like, they have so much power. I bet they could, I, oh, conspiracy. I bet the family was out of their house one day and they, they rush in and, like, did a deep dive in their place and searched, but, like, made it look like that no one was there. That's why you have to drive many miles, 200-mile radius, and just dump the one piece at a time in different areas and bury mm-hmm. them. Yep. That sounds like a lot of work. I don't know if I would do that. To prove that aliens are real? I would... Find a sneaky way to hide it in my apartment. Put it in between your butt cheeks. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day. <laughs> this is really gross. Okay, but <laughs> I was on a run and I was like, okay, if I got abducted right now, how would I make sure that someone could find me? And I was like, I have an Apple Watch. Do I put it between my butt cheeks and hide it and hope that someone can track it because of the Bluetooth? Yeah. Is that a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just pictured... The spreading of cheeks and then the smushing of the Apple Watch into the cheeks. Yeah. Well, because my phone is way too big. Then you'd have to clench your butt to try to keep it in the whole time. But I think I'd be scared enough where I would. I hope I never have to figure it out. <laughs> and I hope I can never talk about this this ever again because this was inappropriate. So, years later, in 1994, after years and years of these Roswell incident reports, novels, conspiracies... The General Accounting Office actually launched an inquiry into the U.S. Secretary of the Air Force. And so the Air Force was then, they had to release these two uh, secret documents Mm -hmm. or reports. And the first one was titled Project Mogul. And it was a top secret military surveillance program that employed high altitude balloons. So this was their second part of the cover up. So basically, no one believed the weather balloon theory. And so then when it was challenged so extremely and inte- like constantly, the Air Force released a new document and said, okay, this is what it actually was, but we couldn't tell you because it was top secret and classified. But essentially, and this is from history.com because I did not know what this is, um, Project Mogul was established after World War II as an espionage program where they used high-altitude balloons to carry low-frequency sound sensors into the tropopause, which is a faraway part of the Earth's atmosphere. This is a science lesson. Where um, frequency, where sound waves can travel for thousands of miles without interference. So similar to how they use the ocean, because like a lot of people use, a lot of people, governments use communication under the ocean because of that same reason Mm -hmm. and so they believed that they could send microphones into this channel and it would allow them to eavesdrop on nuclear tests as far away as the soviet union which is really cool but i still believe in the aliens so i'm gonna get a stick to that and i think maybe maybe the government was doing this but i don't think that's what crashed in roswell and they used this document to like appease the people who were challenging it The second document that was revealed in 1994 addressed the falling alien bodies that people were saying they were seeing, and they said that they were actually dummies with latex skin and aluminum bones that just happened to look like space aliens, and they were used to find ways to protect pilots and other military personnel that happened to be in plane accidents and have, like, free falls, and it was called Operation High Dive. I mean, that does kind of make sense to me. Yeah, but I call it all Operation Cover Up the Alien Visitation. True. I like that. It's a long title, but it's to the point. You know exactly what the operation's about. It's C-U-A-V. Kuva. 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 Project Kuva. Um, So yeah, all these theories are baloney. 
in my opinion, because I think the flying saucer was actually a spacecraft belonging to alien species that came to visit Earth. And I think those dummies were actually aliens and the military was quickly recovering their bodies to bring them to secret alien facilities to do testing on them, a.k.a. Area 51. Yep. So Roswell, New Mexico is home to one of the most infamous alien encounters ever known and the government can say what they want, but we know. We know what's up. And I just I just feel like, why would the government, I don't know. Well, I've said this already. I just, I'm so confounded by all of this and, and the fact that the government would make one cover-up story and then another cover-up story just like feels, it feels like if you're, yeah, I feel like you don't, like similar to if I was like, you killed her and you'd be like, you would just like divert the attention to something else rather than directly saying no. Like they're not saying no, it wasn't aliens. They're like, no, it was a weather balloon. You know, mm-hmm. where am I? I think I think what we need to say at this point is we believe in aliens <laughs> and we also want to believe in aliens so much that we're going to ignore anything that says yes. it's not aliens. So right. and, if people I, start to get frustrated with us, that's why. <laughs> no, I totally understand all of these reasons it's not aliens i i think that they have some uh some validity but it's fun to believe in aliens i think it's fun to just believe in aliens are real there's no there's no way in in the universe which is infinite that there that is we're the only ones that no. we're the only ones that exist Absolutely it's, it's impossible there's no way we are not that special no and we can't we haven't even explored like we haven't explored any of the universe. We we know this. Small we don't even know our region. own oceans. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So the existence of aliens is wonderful to believe in. You know what? You gotta give people something to believe in in this world. Right. And you know what I like thinking about is beyond just that aliens are real. I know that they are. <laughs> but I like thinking about the different types of aliens, you know? Because it's not like they are all one creature, like we're all humans. There's probably multiple planets with different forms of intelligence. And I'm sure quite a few of them are able to travel to different galaxies. 100%. Through the universe. So it's interesting to think about, like, do they know each other? Are they able to speak each other's languages? Are there any, like, I don't know, hard feelings between any of the planets? I wonder, like space wars. Yeah, are there space wars? Is it literally Star Wars out there or Guardians of the Galaxy? And we're just we're just the dumb ones that are so far behind. And they're like, oh, just ignore those little the, yeah. the kids that don't know how to get up here yet. Let them hang out and play with their little Teslas. They have no idea what our spacecrafts are like. Yeah, TBT to SpaceX literally making all of Southern California believe that there was an alien abduction that one time. Yes. Or that the the um dome above us, above our simulation was cracking. I mean, that's kind of a fun theory. <laughs> that's what I thought when I saw it. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> We're all just um, in the Simpsons movie now. There was there's this like conspiracy that we've actually and it might be true that we've actually sent out communication to alien life forms but either the way that we because i think we sent it through radio waves and either the way that it sent is it, it, it wouldn't be able to be received by other because that's the thing like we don't understand concept of life outside of what we experience on our own so mm-hmm. like we can't fathom the ability to survive without water which it might very well be possible because 
on another planet where chemicals and things react, it, it's different. And, and creatures can exist without water. And we only know the elements that we know because this is what we know. This is what's on right. Earth. Right. But there's probably a bunch of other crazy things out there. Yes. Mind blown. So on top of the fact that I think it's BS, there was also an alleged secret committee of scientists, military leaders, and government officials that was formed in 1947 by Harry S. Truman to facilitate recovery and investigation of alien spacecrafts, which I think is an awfully odd coincidence that it was formed in 1947 when Roswell, New Mexico also happened in 1947. And... This also, it's called the Majestic 12 or MJ-12. And people think it's fake document that like UFO conspiracy theorists came up with and made it up. But supposedly, this the existence of Majestic 12 was leaked in 1984. And the government stands by their initial comments saying that it is bogus. Literally, that is a direct quote from the government, bogus. <laughs> and uh, besides all of that, I feel like Majestic 12 sounds like the group in Arrival, and I so badly want to be a part of it, but I have no skills. One day, Sabrina. No. You've accomplished so much in this one year. You have no idea what's going to happen next year. Next year, maybe you're going to be visited, and... You keep thinking, oh, I'm going to get my letter from Hogwarts, but what if you're actually visited and it's like, you're the chosen one from Earth. You have to come to space with us to save all of mankind. Uh, then mankind is screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I am no, sorry. they teach you how to tap into the power that was within you that you didn't even know. This oh, is the plot okay. of so many space movies. Okay, we'll see. Well, I'll, you know, if you guys die in a few years, you know it's because I didn't. I didn't do Whoops. my job. <laughs> Whoopsie. I got too preoccupied with hanging out with my alien buddies. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. Okay. The case of aliens in Roswell kind of seemed to dissipate for some years and lost popularity. But then in 1989, the show Unsolved Mysteries, which we all are familiar with, did an episode to reconstruct the events of the Roswell incident, and the world was once again captivated and intrigued by the event. And again, conspiracy theorists were like, this happened, it's real, we're going to prove it. And so the show spoke to an elderly man named Glenn Dennis, who was a young mortician in Roswell in the time of 1947 when the Roswell incident actually happened, and he provided mortuary services to the Roswell Army Airfield. And so because of talking to him, this is when all of the information about Roswell kind of became so detailed and well-known. So the details that he had were multiple alien crash sites, alien bodies that were recovered, child-sized coffins, aliens walking around the airbase, a red-haired colonel making death threats, and the disappearance of a nurse who knew too much. And... Also, the Air Force has actually been able to corroborate most of Dennis's recollections, but they found that a lot of the events actually happened because he said that they all happened in 1947 and then the Air Force as well. They actually happened over a span of 12 years. So they were like trying to say that Dennis wasn't a credible source, even mm -hmm. though they were also saying that, yes, these things did happen. So it was just interesting. Little, I want to yeah. know about, more about the nurse who knew too much. Oh, I'm going to tell you in a minute. Okay. Also, if ever I have a gravestone, if I die before you, Sabrina, can you mm -hmm. make sure if I do have a gravestone, which, you know, 
Maybe, maybe not. I don't really mm-hmm. care what happens to my body. I'll write it on a tree in the forest. How about that? Okay. I wanted to say she knew too much. I feel like your gravestone is going to be the tallest one in the cemetery because of the amount of things that we've said on this podcast you want written on it. I don't remember the other ones. What else have I said? I said what my parents want. Yeah, but we've like joked, oh, I want that on my gravestone. Okay. But I also say to just throw me, (laughs) (laughs) throw me in the gutter. I don't know. Feed me to the pigs. Throw you in the gutter. And that's how you traumatize a poor child who's (laughs) walking along and then the little body just comes floating out and they scream. Just bury (laughs) me in the sand. It's like someone's buried. And then when they, then they take away the sand from the face and it's, oh. It's me, but I'm dead. And then cut to commercial. We've I'm written the first laughing. act of a TV show. <laughs> so Dennis said he was at his mortuary in 1947 when he received a call asking him to give a ride to an injured airman who was in a traffic accident. And so Dennis agreed and he drives the man to the Roswell Army Airfield base. And while he's there, he notices a very strange thing. There are a bunch of military men guarding what looks like an ambulance, but it looked like the ambulance had been in a wreckage. And inside of like the back doors of the ambulance were open and inside of it, he saw this blue canoe type of thing inside of it. And he kind of got curious, maybe too curious, definitely too curious. And he gets closer and closer. And then all of a sudden this colonel, who was like a big red-haired, red-headed man, grabs him and yells at him and physically throws him off the base and he's like if you tell anyone what you saw today i will kill you oh god and so dennis leaves and is obviously terrified and he calls a friend that he had who happened to be a nurse and every time he called her someone redirected the call and he basically wasn't able to get in touch with her for some reason and so then the next day he caught up to her and they got lunch together or coffee i don't know I don't know, wasn't there, and didn't get the invite. The nurse was really upset because she said that the night before, when Dennis had originally tried to call her, she had to do an autopsy on three bodies that were black, mangled, and little, (gasps) and that the autopsy was nearly impossible to complete because of an overpowering fume emanating from the bodies, one that she had never smelled before. She had never seen bodies the way that they... The way that they were. Was it a fume or are aliens just like really B.O. very stinky? Or do they release a chemical when they die, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's like. Like a self-destruct. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a thing that can kill other people. I don't know. Or something that's just not of this world so we're not used to the smell. Exactly. We have no idea. Maybe it smells beautiful in their planet and that's like all the ladies want it. Shebang, shebang (laughs) on the floor, baby. Dennis and his friend kind of just like sit there both very bewildered by this experience and they both had very different experiences but on the same night and they're like, I I don't know what this is. And so they part ways with no closure and unfortunately Dennis never got any closure with his friend because he soon found out that the nurse was deceased and no one would tell him how she died or where she died or any of that. And so- We want answers. But maybe she was killed because she knew and saw too much and because she was talking about it to another person. You know what I just realized is you and I will never be president because we've already voiced our desire to prove the aliens are real. No one will ever let us be president. Yeah. But I wonder, what if, do you think every, I mean, 
every president would have to be informed about this because they have control of the whole government. So I actually have a thing later where, um, well, I'll tell you later. I think pre- I think presidents all know that aliens are real, but they're not allowed to tell anyone. It's in the Book of Secrets. Yeah. I think also because people would panic in a weird way if they knew they were aliens. But why? It's, we already know. Yeah, but like, would they be like, it, it just depends on what the government's doing with these aliens. Like, are they put? Are they testing them? Are they killing them and doing tests on them? Are yeah, they, that's what I'd be pissed about. Right, that's what I mean. Or like, so people would react that way or other people would be like, we're going to get killed, like alien invasion, like, or also like the government's Please, lied to us. If forever. we were going to get killed, they would have already killed us. Yeah, but like people build things up. People also think the end of the world is coming and have bunkers. Nothing wrong with it, but like. Just die, you know? Die with the rest of the world. It's going to be worse if you're the only one alive. You know what I saw the other day in the park? What? I see a lot in the park. It's pretty small. Our park isn't very big in Boston, but I I do witness a lot. Uh I saw one of those people who stand up and start talking about, like, the end of the world. Not really the end of the world, but, like, the Bible and God and Uh our sins and blah, blah, blah. But he was – he didn't have the confidence of many of the other people who did. And he was kind of stumbling over his words. And I could tell that this was maybe one of the first times he was doing it. And so he's kind of working, working it out, practicing his script. Like a so stand-up I, comic? Yeah. So I actually sat down on a bench because I wanted to I wanted to see him work through it. <laughs> I wanted to see his process. And it was pretty interesting. Anyway, so they don't start being perfect. They do. Those people do have to work right. hard to get to, to where, get they are, where they are now. And then they start a cult and... It ends poorly. Um, Okay. And then he also claims, Dennis also claims that he saw a creature with a massive head walking onto the Air Force base. And the government later disproved this specific instance by saying there was a captain who was struck on the head by a balloon gondola, which I don't know what that is, and that he developed an extensive hematoma, making his head swell to the size of a beach ball. But I did an extensive Google search Google image search, to be specific, of hematomas, and I found some very disturbing images, to be very honest. Don't go look this up because it's gross. But, to be honest with you, I already have. Oh, okay. Well, then you you know what I saw. And I do. I'm not alone. Thank you. But so not a single one of those, not a single one. I did like eight pages of Google's image search, and I searched different things. There's not a single one that implied the possibility of a hematoma causing a head to swell to the size of a beach ball. That's massive. Mm -hmm. And so again, the military confirmed most of his accounts, but again, insisted that they took place much later than 1947, which doesn't mean it wasn't aliens. And also, Dennis was an older man at the time that he said this. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, but it could mean that, you know, he lived a really long life and he gets his years mixed up. Also, since 1947, there are continuously reports that keep popping up. So like in 2007, this man named Lieutenant Walter Hout died and he left a written story about having been shown a crashed alien spacecraft in Roswell. And it's also rumored that aliens from the Roswell spacecraft and other spaceships were transported to Area 51 and then were being autopsied or slid into cylindrical cylindrical glass tanks containing gel-like preservatives to preserve them, obviously. And there's a story in The Guardian about a guy who was reached out to by a friend, and basically they found a photo of an alien in a 
dead woman's belongings. And she lived near Roswell, and they believe that the image is actually of an alien. I want to see it. Wait, is this public? Can I look at it? I don't know if it's public, but they did make a documentary. It was, his name is Joseph Beeson. Okay. And it was suspected. So the woman who had passed away who had this photo, her name was Hilda, Hilda Blair Ray, and it's suspected that she knew Eisenhower's wife, Mamie, who you talked about last week. Yeah, Mamie. Mamie? Actually, okay, so Eisenhower's great-granddaughter actually claimed that the president met aliens while he was president. So maybe aliens are actually running our government. And that is why they can't tell us they exist. Then, uh, okay, so there have been so many books, podcasts, and TV shows about the the Roswell incident. And there's one called Roswell, New Mexico. It's on the CW. And it's a remake of the 1999 show called Roswell. They're both based on a young adult book called Roswell High. And Roswell, New Mexico is amazing. It's so good. It's basically exploring the question of what if the aliens never left and they actually learned how to blend into our society looking like humans. And it's like a really sweet love story between a girl who learned her teenage crush as an alien and who's been keeping his unearthly abilities a secret for his whole life. And Forbidden love. Forbidden love. And then they have to work together to save the world. It's really good. And the whole town has fully embraced the Roswell incident. It's become their claim to fame. Hundreds and thousands of people visit Roswell on the crash site every year. And they're, they're, it's like the storefronts and gas stations and everything has aliens. It's just decorated aliens. Like It's as if you went to a, space, a planet in space because it's so We need to go there. there. Yes, we do. The Walmart has its walls and front windows decorated with green skin, large head aliens. It's McDonald's in town. Literally looks like a spaceship ready to take off. And there are flying saucers and other ex- extraterrestrial gifts sold, gifts sold in shops. And there's a bakery that enlists little green men to sell their bread. And all of the light posts on Main Street have alien eyes on them. And <laughs> I love that. I know. They fully embraced it. Which, <sighs> I mean, regardless of if you believe this or not, it's magical and... It's almost like going to your own mini Hogwarts, but for aliens, because it's just, um, yeah, the whole and town is And now I have a new goal. If ever I do win the lottery, I'm for sure as heck buying a street and putting, yes. I'm putting little alien eyes on all yes. of the, the street signs. It's kind of like Salem, but for aliens. Perfect. And this is your, I'll move to Salem and you move to Roswell. But I kind of want to move to Salem too. Okay. Well, you can visit me. You can, you can summer here. Okay. I'll have houses in both because that's how, that's Rich how much money the aliens are going to give me. <laughs> um, Roswell is also home to the International UFO Museum and Research Center, which houses more than 7,000 books, 30,000 magazines, periodicals, pamphlets, and over 1,500 DVDs related to UFOs. And it's $5 per adult and $2 for children for admittance. And since 1996, Roswell has been celebrating the anniversary of the incident during the first week of July. So... Next year, Corinne, because we already have a live show in New York in July. Next Mm -hmm. year, we have to go to the Roswell UFO Festival, which draws thousands of people. And this year, it's July 5th through 7th. So next year, we have to go and plan a whole trip around it. I agree. And everyone should come. 
but it's if you guys want to go this year it's july 5th through 7th and oh my gosh the promotional photo made me squeal it was so cute it just like all of the guest speakers are being sucked up into an into a ufo through the ray and then it's just very magical i love it dream and that's the roswell incident oh god it's such a good one i'm so glad you chose that one (laughs) thank you me too so crazy it just it gets me fired up. Yeah, does about it? About aliens. I mean, anything about you can just say the word aliens and I'm fired up about aliens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's so true. It, just saying the word aliens is such a trigger word. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Do you believe in aliens? Oh my Oops. god. Oh, I just dropped my phone. Oh. I asked my so when my dad visited a few weeks ago, I I gathered the courage to ask him a very important question, which everyone should make sure you know about your loved ones. And I go, because I know my dad believes in ghosts, but I go to my dad, I'm like, so I have a question. Do you believe in ghosts? And I was like waiting for him to be like, oh, no. And then he was like, of course. Your dad? Yeah. Of course your dad believes. He's been possessed. Yeah, but that's different. Like some people can believe in ghosts and not aliens. But anyway, he believes, and I was very... Oh, you asked him if he believes in aliens. Correct, yes. Oh, I think you said ghosts, or at least I heard ghosts. Maybe I did. I meant aliens. <laughs> okay, he believes in aliens. Good. And ghosts. Does Nick believe in aliens? Yes, I believe so. You believe that he believes? I, be- I believe in him believing, yes. You better, you better check that one. You better ask him. I know, that's a very important question. Before we move forward in any relationship, you must... Always I know, because how, how is he going to take an alien-themed wedding if he doesn't believe in aliens? <laughs> it's going to be interesting, especially when you ride into your ceremony on a UFO. With all the kittens surrounding me. <laughs> Strictly cat alien-themed. Yes, yes. I'll have to sit him down for a nice dinner and tell him about it. Let him know. All right, what the heck did you choose, Corinne? I chose an interesting one that I think, because... I'm telling this weird. (laughs) I'm having a hard time formulating sentences and introductions. It's okay. Me too. Maybe we're both taken over by aliens and that's a good excuse. Okay. Well, basically, a lot of times when we look at aliens and UFO sightings and abduction cases, we're reading about stories that happened like 70, 80 years ago, oftentimes. And I still believe in those encounters just as much as any of the recent ones, but I also wanted to choose something that was a bit more recent, like within the past decade or so, something that people are still talking about and still trying to make sense of, and an incident where the witnesses are still alive and are still (sighs) being interviewed and trying to understand what they went through. These are not just any normal witnesses. These are military personnel. What? Because I'm doing the case of the 2004 USS Nimitz encounter. Wait, this is 2004. That was not long ago at all. So these are people that are in the Navy. These are our people protecting us, trustworthy people. And on November 14th of 2004, the aircraft carrier Ticonderoga-class guided missile cruiser, the USS Princeton, was sitting off of the coast of San Diego about 100 miles out and the ship and crew had been out there for about two weeks tracking some unknown objects so they were using and i hope i say this right but they were using 
the ANSPY-1B passive radar. And on their radar system, they picked up around like 8 to 10 objects that were flying really high up in the sky. And the objects seemed to be traveling in a somewhat fixed formation. And they were moving towards Catalina Island (gasps) at 28,000 feet high. So the Navy chief petty officer Kevin Day was a bit taken aback by these crafts and how they were slowly moving because they were flying about 100 knots. And for comparison, for those of us who don't understand what that means, I looked up. Yep. I looked up what the typical cruising speed of a commercial aircraft is, mm-hmm. and it was 475 to 500 knots. And these guys were going 100 knots. So that's, to me, I that's like landing speed, like you're trying to slow your craft down. To, yeah. But they were cruising at this speed. Hmm. So, yeah, they were crawling through the air. So it, it Navy Chief Petty Officer Kevin Day was like taking special interest in this. And also, I don't know how to address someone in the Navy with their titles. So I'm just going to say his entire title the whole time. Yeah. To hopefully do him justice. So Chief Petty Officer Kevin Day then contacted other nearby ships to ask them if their systems were picking up on the same thing, these aircrafts in the sky or unidentified objects in the sky. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, they were. And so for the next six days, they frequently saw a number of strange objects and vessels in the sky. An E-2C Hawkeye plane was passing by, and that plane also detected the same objects and sent the coordinates to the USS Princeton. So this ship filled with all of the brave women and men were just floating out in the sea trying to figure out what the heck was flying high above them. That's scary. So scary. Probably really exciting, but also it's like, what the hell is that? Are there photos? Yeah, I'll get there. (gasps) It's beyond photos. It's videos. But I'll, I'll get there. So finally, on November 14th of 2004, Chief Petty Officer Kevin Day reached out to two U.S. Navy Boeing Super Hornets, so these fighter jet pilots, from the USS Nimitz Carrier Strike Group and asked them to come take a look. And the pilots were already airborne at the time. They were uh, flying a combat exercise at the time. So they were very quick to head over to the spot and to the coordinates that were sent by the USS Princeton. Mm -hmm. And so each Super Hornet had two seats, one for the pilot and one for a weapons systems officer. So there were four men on board in total between the two planes. And the pilots of the aircraft that day were Commander David Fravor and Lieutenant Commander Jim Slate. And Chief Petty Officer Kevin Day told the men that there was an unidentified radar spot and they needed it to be checked up on just in case the object or objects were in danger of colliding with an upcoming air defense exercise that they were going to conduct that day. Yes. But then another person on board the Princeton radioed over and asked the pilots if they were carrying any operational weapons with them. And the pilots said, no, they were not. But they still continued to head over to that spot. So the pilots of these fighter jets, they get to the location and the four men in the Super Hornets don't see anything and they don't pick anything up on their radar but the princeton below them on the sea notices the object move from twenty-eight thousand feet in the sky to sea level in less than a second what so it made a twenty-eight thousand foot descent 
in less than one second. And the pilots up in the sky are told this and they notice the ocean below them moving in an oval shape <gasps> and the water is churning and the waves are breaking in this one section as if they're breaking over something, like hitting something just under the surface. What? Oh my gosh. So very odd. To be a witness to this, that is, I'm envious. Yeah. So creepy. So it's basically like something was, it looked like something was just under the surface of the ocean. Like how creepy. Wow. That's the other thing that freaks me out so much, but it's also so, so exciting and interesting. I know. Is when UFOs are seen going in and out of the ocean, like they can go any which way, anywhere. Yeah. Just, you never know where they're going to be. They could be lurking in the seas. I like that we can both talk a big talk, but I think if we were in that situation, it would be pretty scary. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I would be useless. Yes, same. It's actually really funny because there was side story. There was a I don't even remember what type of ship it was. Oh, a destroyer. <gasps> that that type of ship was leaving the. Um, boston seaport area and when it was here you could go on board and do a tour and i had the funniest tour guide she was like the best person ever she was cracking me up (laughs) but she was taking us all through the destroyer and she's an like an active member of the destroyer so like that's her full-time job and she also was just doing like the little tours for all of us common folk that were trying to get (laughs) on the ship and see it and she was talking about one day it was really awful but but basically there was they were overseas over in Asia mm-hmm. and there had been an attack really close by and she they basically all thought that they were going to die that they were going to be attacked in their ship Ooh. and she said everyone was like hop to and everyone was doing their job and that she was just standing there bawling her eyes out saying we're going to die oh my gosh. I was like, that is the worst. I can't even imagine. Yeah, no. But that's probably what I would do if I were on this ship and I knew that there was an alien spacecraft watching me from the ocean. Yeah. A couple hundred miles or less away. Yeah, no, that'd be terrifying. Creepy. Okay, so the Super Hornets, the these uh, fighter jets are seeing this happen in the ocean and they're like, what the heck? That's super weird. Mm-hmm. But then they see something even more weird, something that still boggles their mind to this day. What? What'd they see? Within a few seconds of noticing the churning water, they see an unidentifiable object hovering about 50 feet above the water. And both pilots said that it was large, about 30 to 45, 46 feet long. It was bright white, and it was a shape, a shape comparable to a tic-tac, so it was very round. And from what they could see, there was no windshield, no porthole, mm. no wings, no engine, no exhaust, no nothing. Whoa. So it was just a big, massive tic-tac floating above the water. I When you said tic-tac, I imagined a tiny thing, and I was like, wow, these people have great eyesight. No, a big tic-tac. Massive. Yep. A school bus-sized tic-tac. Yikes. And Commander David Fravor moved down in a circular – so he's he's now maneuvering his super – hornet his fighter jet Mm -hmm. he's moving it down in a circular descent trying to move closer to the object wow but as he did so very brave right as he did so the object began moving up in a curved path keeping a distance from the super hornet but it wasn't just moving away it was actually mirroring the super (gasps) hornet taking opposite circles so they were just kind of doing this little dance in the sky with each other 
And Commander Fravor was like, all right, I'm going to do something a little more aggressive. I need to make a move. And so he plunged his Super Hornet to aim just below the object, but no success because as soon as he did that, the tic-tac-shaped craft responded to this maneuver by accelerating at supersonic speeds and was out of sight within two seconds. Whoa. So within seconds of that happening, the pilots then radio from the Princeton and the ship below is telling them that the object has been picked up on their radar system 60 miles away. What? So in order to get that far in that amount of time, the UFO would have had to move over 2,400 miles per hour. This is about three times the speed of sound and twice the speed of fighter jets. So the Super Hornets head to that area to face off with the Tic Tac again. But by the time they get there, the object is gone. Wow. So then the Nimitz Carrier Strike Group returned to their home base. So those were the fighter pilots and their uh, weapons specialists on board. So those four men, they returned back to their home base. And they're not really able to make sense of what they saw. And Commander Fravor said that he had no idea what he saw. It had no plumes, no wings, no rotors. And it outran their F-18s. But he said, he basically said, I don't know what it is, but I want to fly it. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him. That's really cool. Yeah. So he was pretty excited by it. But I'm sure also like, what the hell did I just see? This is, I'm so confused. Yeah. Okay. So now a second team of pilots were going to head out. And they did so at approximately noon. And at this time, they brought with them an advanced infrared camera, the Raytheon ATFLIR targeting pod. And on the radar, they managed to capture an unidentifiable aerial craft that was described as evasive. So it didn't want to be captured. Mm, That's how they describe me. (laughs) And Bigfoot. I just always run around with a big net trying to catch Sabrina. She's like, no, I'm evasive. <laughs> climbs up trees and then I have to call the fire department to come help get her down. Except for replace me with Bigfoot because this is what Corinne does trying to catch Bigfoot <laughs> with a big net. The same way that uh SpongeBob would go jellyfish catching. Oh God, bring me back to SpongeBob. <laughs> so Aaron Maestas, I hope I'm saying that right. He is or was the director of engineering and chief engineer of surveillance and targeting systems at Raytheon. And he said, and I quote, we might be the system that caught the first evidence of ET out there. And then fast forward to 2015, another Raytheon ATFLIR pod captured an extremely fast moving object. And the pilots on film, which you can actually see, on the video, they're extremely excited, but they're also very baffled. And in the recording, one of them goes, what the fuck is that thing? And you can watch the clip online because it's been released. Oh. So, okay, but let's go back to 2004. Okay. The USS Nimitz encounter. There was no explanation and still is no explanation for what happened. So this happened all the way back in 2004. But then in December of 2017, the infrared footage from that second group of aircrafts that had gone out was released to the public for everybody to see, which I've watched. And it's really kind of hard to know what's going on, but you can see that at the end, 
the object that they're tracking on their tracking system and radar system then just moves way too quickly for the sensor to even follow it. The sensor is like, whoa! So if the thing is moving way too quickly for the technology that we have to keep up with it. So all of this footage is released and the New York Times published a report on the Pentagon program that had tracked these types of reports from 2007 to 2012. And in the article was a video of the incident. And the same month that this all becomes public, Commander David Fravor, who was the head pilot that day, he was interviewed by Fox News. And he said he believes it was an object out of this world. And he's saying this 13 years later. Whoa. He said, that still to this day, he can say that there isn't the technology to do what that aircraft did 13 years prior. And he said that everyone Damn. on board of his boat that day had similar beliefs. So when they all came back down and were like, here's what we saw, like, in reviewing everything, everybody on board the boat and who were in the planes, they were just like, yeah, we can't explain this. This is crazy. Wow. You can all actually watch the interview if you're interested. It was on Fox News. If you yes, basically, I am. You're going to? Yeah, you definitely should. Mm -hmm. But it's very interesting to watch him talk about it because he goes so in-depth into the specifics of his and the Tic Tac's flight patterns. So it gives you a much cleaner and like nicer visual of how the crafts are actually moving beyond my sort of overview. Right. Um but yeah, you can tell too when he's talking about it, he's trying to be very matter of fact and like, this is the fact and this is exactly what I, like what happened and what the craft was doing and not, he never says like UFO or aliens because I'm sure he doesn't want to be. So very opposite from what you and I do when talking about aliens on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. If ever we get the opportunity to be on the news, we'll find a way to bring up aliens. Right. Whether we're being interviewed about it or not. I feel like it's so easy for people to like, automatically assume someone who believes in aliens or believes that they've seen aliens is crazy or has lost their mind or has no grasp of reality. It's just so easy. And so I, I imagine that's why he had to choose his words, words very carefully and seem mm, coherent mm -hmm. in a way that he he was probably like, I saw a freaking alien in his head. Yeah, right. And being in the position that he was in too. Yeah. And then, I mean, I don't watch any of the I don't watch any news stations, so I don't know any of the newscasters, but whoever was interviewing him on Fox News, I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. At the end, he goes, all right, well, you sound uh, pretty credible and you sound pretty sober. So oh. I was like, what the heck? That is so rude. I know. And then Commander David Fravor just kind of like cracked a little tiny smile because I could tell he was trying not to laugh. Oh, my God. Anyway, you guys can all watch that. And then the infrared video is there on uh -huh. YouTube. And then also the video from the um, 2015 Raytheon ATFLIR pod experience was captured too. So if you if you basically look up just normal keywords like, right. I don't know, 2015 alien video encounter whatever from Raytheon. <laughs> Wow, I really should have looked up the actual search terms to not confuse everybody. I'm and sure they're easy to find. They're easy to find. But of course, to wrap up this story, with every good UFO sighting comes those who are determined to debunk it. Of course there is. Of course. But here's the thing. 
with your story, there were a bunch of different options. Everyone's like, it's this, it's that, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But the only possible explanation that they came up with this time, all the experts are saying, oh, it was human error or a technical malfunction on the equipment. But beyond those Mm -hmm. two things, they can't really give a possible explanation. They can't say, oh, it was... A Russian aircraft or, oh, we were testing right. some other things and they caught like a missile or whatever. They hmm. haven't said anything beyond that. Wow. Wait, okay. So just to clarify, the 2004 and 2015, it was the exact same object or similar looking object that was seen? I don't know about the 2015 in terms of the shape of the object, but the way that it was moving was similar in that it was so quick that it they couldn't okay. really track it. And it was an unidentified object. And it was captured on the same radar system, the same Raytheon technology that captured the 2004 one. Okay, so two things. Uh, First, I need to buy a Raytheon technology, whatever this thing is, radar. I'm sure they're like $3 million, I bet. Well, when I make $3 million, it's the first thing I'm going to buy. Two, it makes me think that these, whatever species this is, it is either... it it lives on earth now or it's orbiting our earth and able and is often visiting here's another theory kind of far-fetched mm-hmm. sure but here we go this ship or this unidentified craft was mm-hmm. seen off of the coast of san diego kind of near catalina mm-hmm. great white sharks have been around for freaking ever And they're so Mm -hmm. smart and they're so intelligent. And people who dedicate their entire lives to studying great white sharks still don't understand half of their behavior and why they do what they do and the patterns behind where they go, etc. Off of the coast of Catalina slash Cabo in that general area, there's a ton of great white sharks. And it's believed, it's thought that perhaps in that area that area is actually a mating site for female great white sharks because a bunch of female great white sharks tend to congregate in this one specific area during a certain time and they don't really know why other than that maybe it's a mating ground or it's where they all go to give birth. What if this ship is somehow connected to great white sharks and that actually aliens are great white sharks and they come down in this secret little ship and they're like, all right, it's go time. Everybody come meet. We're going to talk about everything that you've seen, gather here, and that's why we see the ship and all of the great white sharks congregating in the same area. So I applaud you on that very thorough theory. I came up with it just 30 seconds ago. But it was very thorough. The the only question I have is what does that then mean for other species of sharks? I don't know that they're dumber versions of aliens. Or are they all aliens? Or are aliens interested in great white sharks just the same way that humans are and are are just as confused by their behaviors? And so they are taking great white sharks back to their lair maybe to examine them. Or maybe they're like Eliza Thornberry and aliens can speak the same language as the great white sharks. They understand oh, how I to like speak that. with them. And so they're just all having a party. It's their annual anniversary, you know? <laughs> Like, they just get together. It's their annual gathering of being like, well, yeah. we've been around forever. So have you. Like, let's hang. Let's chat. What have you been up to, Todd? Yep. Do a little speed dating. Like, well, unrequited love. Yes. They finally get to go back to the great white sharks after 20 years. 
I like the theory. I know it's probably not accurate, but... <laughs> but you know what? That's the great thing is that we... Because aliens are so unknown and because people say they don't come to Earth, we can we can have whatever theories we want. Yeah, we can. We can believe what we want. And, and then if, if for some f- freak reason we somehow find out that my theory is accurate i'm gonna be famous because this is recorded yeah i came up with it first everybody heard it here and on my gravestone she knew too much (laughs) yeah if if we mysteriously disappear either we've been abducted or the men in black have come for us or we've just turned into a great white shark Ooh, or we've just died sadly (laughs) and tragically how horrible (laughs) My dark mind. Okay, I have a story from the listener. Let's hear it. This is from Ricky, and she says, Hi, ladies. I love this podcast. I just started listening a couple of weeks ago, and I am hooked. First are a couple of alien encounters I've had. I used to live in a very small town in the middle of nowhere, Arizona. I was about six or seven years old playing out in the backyard while my grandpa raked the leaves when something shiny in the sky caught my eye. That rhymed, lol. So I asked my grandpa what it was. I remember it wasn't really moving, and it was kind of just hovering. It looked kind of small, but you could tell its shape, and it looked like it was a disc shape and was silver. It was a typical UFO-looking object, and I'm guessing my grandpa didn't want to scare me and say it was an alien spaceship, so he just told me it was a weather balloon, but when I looked back up, it was gone. Classic excuse. Skip to the year 1997 and I was 10 years old. It was nighttime and in that town, it was pitch black at night because there weren't any streetlights. Why is everything rhyming? Pitch black at night, no streetlights. Maybe she's a secret poet. Yeah, secret poet, secret alien. Oh, I like that show name. Anyway, so I'm in my room and the blinds on my window were up and something catches my eye again. I look outside and I see lights and a huge triangle shape moving slowly across the sky. I run to my grandma's room to tell her to look outside, but she's already standing at her window looking at the lights. I asked her what it was and she said she didn't know. Many years later, I see documentaries and videos on YouTube talking about the lights I saw and people call it the Phoenix lights. And I'm like, hey, I've seen that. I was there. Also in that house, I was a kid one night trying to sleep. I heard tapping on one of the walls. Then the tapping moved to the next wall, then the next. And then eventually there was a loud tapping coming from all of the walls. Mm -hmm. I'm freaking out, hiding under the cover, sweating my ass off, and it just stops. The next day, I tell my grandma what happened. And unlike my grandpa trying not to traumatize me, she tells me it's probably a ghost. And then tells me how sometimes she sees a shadow of a man with a hat that peeks into her room from the hallway. Oh my god, grandma! (laughs) The last experience I had was about 10 years ago when I was at my now husband's parents' house. We were home alone, and while he was in the shower, I was hanging out in the living room. That room has a huge window that looks out onto the backyard and has a glass door that will go to the side of the house where there's a huge, heavy wooden gate that's super loud. So I'm sitting there on my phone, minding my own business, when I hear loud footsteps like somebody running hard from the backyard to the side where the gate was. I looked outside to see who was running so damn loud, but nobody was there. I even went to the gate, and nobody was there. I looked out to the front yard, and nobody was there. Which didn't make sense because there's no way somebody can go through that gate so fast and quiet. So when my husband comes out of the shower, I asked him if anybody was here hanging out in the backyard or something, and he says, no, why? And I told him what I heard, and he says, oh, yeah, that's the spot of the house that has a ghost. Uh, uh, He said one time he and his cousins were home alone hanging out in that living room when they saw the shadow of a large man at the window looking at them. But it's the only spot of the house that this ghost hangs out at, so it's kind of weird. 
Those are my creepiest things that have happened to me. There's been a few other little things here and there, but the email is long. So thank you for reading my stories and thank you for your podcast. You ladies are doing an awesome job. I used to be a chicken when it came to ghosts, but now I'm still a chicken, but not as bad. See you (laughs) on the other side, Ricky. Okay. I love what straight shooters her family members are. I know. Everybody's just like, oh yeah, it's a ghost. Duh. Get over it. That's what it is. And it's amazing because there's no like question about it. It's like, yeah, we all believe in ghosts. Like obviously the only explanation is it's a ghost. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's not even like, oh, well, I have to tell you something. It's just like, oh yeah, that's where the ghost hangs out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love it. Love it. It's great. And the alien thing. I mean, she was there. She witnessed it. And there are articles written about it. I also love that there are – I feel like people who have had one alien experience, it's never just one. Like people who have witnessed aliens or had any abduction experience or anything, it it happened in multiples. Like you don't just have one alien experience. Right. Like she had two. She she saw a saucer, flying saucer. I got really hungry there. But so I feel like she saw that and then she also saw the ships flying in the triangle. It makes me wonder because I've seen – I feel like I've only seen one significant UFO. So am I due for my second? You are. (gasps) And I have told my alien friends to come say hello. Jeez. I'm kidding. They've never talked to me. I'm nervous. Uh, I'm nervous. All right. What do you have? Okay. This is from Cricket. She says, hey, ladies, love your podcast, and I've been listening nonstop. I didn't get the triggering feeling until listening to episode 50. Actually had to stop the podcast and email you one of my creepy experiences. Ooh. Hopefully it won't happen again just by mentioning it. I don't think that it was sleep paralysis, but I'll let you decide. About six months ago, I was in bed listening to Monsters Among Us, like the strange and unusual, obviously, <laughs> and I drifted to sleep. Suddenly, I was not alone, and I heard strange muffled noises like voices, but not really language or one that I understood. And I was fully awake. I opened my eyes, and I turned my head to see if my husband was next to me mumbling in his sleep. But just at that instance, I saw three tall, thin (gasps) black figures next to my hubby's side of the bed. No. And one was reaching for my face with three long fingers. (gasps) I gasped and I froze. Just then, he slash she retreated and they seemed to back out of our window, which which they had been standing in front of this whole time, blocking the yard light. I was in shock and I looked at the clock. It was 3 a.m. Chills. So I jumped out of bed to check on my kids in their rooms, and I found my husband, who had fallen asleep on the couch. I was not going to go back to bed, and I couldn't sleep anyway. And I never told my hubby. He does not believe in ghosts or aliens or anything paranormal, and I do. I've had too much happen to not believe. I blame my great-grandmother, who, quote, saw lights whenever bad things happened or, or when a loved one would die. She was half Cherokee and says she inherited her visions from her mother. I have seen and heard things along with my brother, but that's for a different email. Love your podcast. So glad to see two ladies that can keep a friendship alive even though they're so far away. Friends are far and few between in my experience, especially when I creep them out with all of my stories. (laughs) 
Don't mean to, but what are friends for, right? Very true. Lots of love from the cold Wisconsin cricket. Oh, okay. Okay. So, well, I feel like so many alien experiences sound very similar to that, where they come through the window, even though the window's closed. Right? Right? Yes. It's like they're absorbed through it, or they just, yeah, do you think they can control their molecule makeup, their atoms, and just... You know, at this point, anything is possible. So, yes, maybe. Possibly. It's... Yeah. Wow, this is wild to me. I, I, I'm i glad that she was awake and that she gasped and like her making a noise sent them away. And listen, like as much as I say I want to be visited by aliens, I do not want to be poked and prodded by aliens. I just want to have a conversation. Right. And I think the scary part of it is that like it's intrusive. And, and I feel like if there are aliens on our earth and the government knows about it, that's what we do to them, which is not fair and not okay. And it's not okay the other way around either. No, everyone should just hold hands and sing Kumbaya and pretend like we're back at camp. Hands Across America version? Hands Across America, Jordan Peele. Yeah. That's so scary. I would I don't know what I would do. I don't I would freak out. I don't know either. And what's interesting is that she's like, I don't think it was sleep paralysis because it's it's her knowing that she fell asleep or was falling asleep and then having this experience, but then immediately following this experience, she's panicked and she's awake or she thinks she is. And then she gets up straight from there and goes and checks on her husband and kids. So I'm wondering, like, do you wake up that quickly after that happening from sleep paralysis and be like, got to check on my kids and husband? Like, no, you would have the distinction between waking up and being asleep, right? Right. I think so. I think so, too. Also, I really hope there was such a loud crow in the background, and I really hope it picked it up because that would be so spooky and creepy. Oh, on your end? Yeah. (coughs) It's super loud. It's like the raven. The raven. Well, if you guys have stories that you want to send us, please do. Our email is twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. If you've ever been to the UFO celebration in Roswell, please tell us. Because it sounds amazing. Let us know. It's on our bucket list now. Mm-hmm. Also, if you want to come to our live shows, please do. I think this comes out the week before or maybe two weeks before our Boston show, which is May 5th. So make sure you get your tickets. Come hang with us. Get spooky. And then we're also going to Nashville on June 16th and then New York on July 14th. So please come support us if we sell out our shows we'll go to more places so mm-hmm. just tell all your friends to come and crossed. we'll make sure it's a good time oh yeah oh yeah and then you know the normal spiel different ways to support us one is by word of mouth tell everybody number two rate and review us on itunes number three rock our merchandise which we have new ones we have new merch we have new merch we have our Trust your pets, which is so cute. I just got a sweatshirt and I like, I'm obsessed with it. I'm going to wear it all the time. And then we have the cute little lip balms from the Mad Optimist that we partnered up with that have our logo on it. Heck yeah, they're the best. They're the best. We're excited about So them. buy them, wear them to our live shows. Yes. And then the third way to support us is by donating to us on Patreon. And depending on the tiers, you can actually get a discount on March. So it all comes full circle. Or you can pick a topic like Megan did this week. Yes. 
And we will see you on the other side.